Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm Paula Thomas, the founder and CEO of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today's episode is hosted by Charlie Hills, Managing Director of Mando Connect, a UK-based agency that uses smart data to create brilliant partnerships and rewards that really work. If you work in loyalty marketing, make sure to join Let's Talk Loyalty every Tuesday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday to learn the latest ideas from loyalty experts around the world. This show is brought to you by Comark, a global provider of powerful loyalty management tools to increase customer lifetime value and improve your return on investment. Recognized as one of the top loyalty technology solutions providers in the Forrester Wave Loyalty Technology Solutions Report, Quarter 1, 2023, Comark is responsible for over 120 loyalty initiatives in 50 countries around the world. Comark Technologies help companies design, build and manage highly immersive loyalty programs that bring results. For more information, please visit comark.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 365 of Let's Talk Loyalty. I'm Charlie Hills, the Managing Director and Head of Strategy for Mando Connect, WPP's Loyalty Specialist Partnerships and Rewards Agency. We have created a new white paper in partnership with YouGov that explores loyalty membership appeal and impact across 24 European markets. And I'm delighted to be hosting a series of six podcasts with some of the experts featured in the paper to help listeners better understand loyalty across Europe. Today, I am delighted to welcome Nicole Wilhelm. Nicole is an independent customer loyalty expert, well-known industry thought leader and advocate for emotional loyalty with global cross-industrial expertise. She has provided the expert commentary on the German market in the white paper. Today, we'll be learning about Nicole's favourite loyalty programmes, what the loyalty landscape looks like in Germany and which are the programmes to watch. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Hello, Nicole, um, and welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty today. Yes. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for inviting me. We're absolutely thrilled um, to have you on the podcast today. So let's start with Paula's favourite question. What, Nicole, is your favourite loyalty programme and why? Okay, Charlie, I mean, that question is always a really tough one, right? Um, because you have so many great programmes in different industries and different countries. But if you really make me choose one, um, it's, it's going to be Sephora Unlimited. Um, just because... I like the way they combine transactional loyalty with emotional loyalty. So, of course, they, they have their um, transactional um, features like you collect points and you get rebates or vouchers. But they also um, really try to implement that emotional part of their loyalty program as well. And um, that's one thing I really like with them. I mean... Besides being omni-channel in their communication and having integrated that program uh, in their into their their Sephora brand, um, let me give you an example from from the US because I've lived there a couple of years and worked there, and um, and I really get to um, get to feel how they treat the loyalty program in store. That's what I really like. 
because I'm a big fan of um, having the loyalty program really communicated and being used um, in store because that, in my opinion, creates um, a deeper loyalty, a deeper bondage with the member. That's really nice. And they're in such an emotional sector as well, aren't they? That kind of that beauty sector can be such a warm and emotive customer experience. And then the loyalty program really brings that to life. I know that emotional loyalty is a big theme for you, isn't it? Um, Tell us a bit more about your loyalty background and and what made you so interested in in working with programs that um, that really push that emotional loyalty agenda. Yes. So um, I always, well, I've been in the loyalty industry for, for 20 years now. And um, my, I always divide my professional career into, into basically two, two parts. The first part being an employee myself. So I've worked for, for companies which are in the loyalty sector, like Miles and More, uh, Lufthansa Miles and More, um, Avato, Bertelsmann. I've worked for the coalition program, uh, Deutschland Card. And and also with Bivin in Austria, I I was able to to design and implement and manage a loyalty program uh, from scratch. So um, yes, and then since 2011, I'm basically a loyalty expert, which is independent and really focusing on on an unbiased uh, expertise. So and being that expert, uh, I focus on program design and re- or redesign of programs. I support the, the implementation, um, especially uh, the processes uh, of a program and the, the IT, which also most often includes uh, vendor selection of the IT software and um, basically everything around uh, communication, campaign management, direct marketing. Wow, that's a lot, right? I think that's what's so fantastic about loyalty marketing in that it touches so many disciplines, doesn't it? That relationship with your existing customer is across so many sectors and brands. I mean, Germany's a, a really interesting market and it's obviously what we're here to, to talk to um, our listeners about today. What do you think are the programs in, in Germany that are really nailing that emotional loyalty connection that's so important? And uh, I'm sure you've designed some great features into the programs you've worked on. But who do you think you know our listeners should be really looking to in Germany to, to get that right as well as Sephora obviously well um to to be honest uh because you know you would say like okay why has she chosen a US uh, program and not because I'm an expert in Germany uh, not a German program but um having experienced both both markets um I I realized that within loyalty marketing uh, the US the US is just a more developed market than Germany. And um, let me just draw maybe uh, the landscape or an over, give you an overview of what the, the loyalty market is like in, in my country. And I think that's exactly where, when it comes to emotional loyalty, you'll find uh, the crux of this matter. Uh, because we mainly still have very much transactional-based programs. So, um, and that's, I think it's also um, from the from from history, right? Because we have a strong history in coalition programs and we also have, of course, single partner programs and they all work with points or a currency that you earn and you burn it for um, for rewards or you get a kickback um, or, or rebates. And um, for some of it, then implement tier levels. So you have a status structure. And I think this is the first time where emotional loyalty comes more into place. 
so they offer special perks and benefits. And I think you can really work on that um, emotional uh, concept uh, with a status uh, program. And um, uh, but to to be honest, I think there is a lot of room for improvement, and there's still a lack of of um, that bondage and that uh, emotional connection in Germany. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, actually. And when we were looking at the white paper across all those different markets, I think you can really see that variation across the 24 markets in the white paper about some markets that are really focused on emotional loyalty and some that are more transactional. So it's interesting to see that you see Germany as, as a more transactional um, market. What does membership look like um, in Germany from the, the, the white paper that you looked at? And I know some other studies as well that you've looked at over the last couple of years. Um, you know, what percentage of Germans are members of loyalty programs? Yes, um, and I think uh, that exactly the feedback in this um, in this report and the white paper exactly um, mirrors uh, my my picture a little bit because uh, it it shows first of all the score of the membership with fifty nine percent is below average. I think average was sixty one percent. and to be honest, before I would have assumed that. Germany is definitely in the upper half and not um, below average uh, concerning membership. But then, um, if you if you really look into the appeal, which means which is the um, the second score, and especially there, sixty five percent of Germans said it's a great way um, that the program is a great way to reward customers. Uh, you can see that in general, Germans are open for loyalty programs, right? Um, so the good news is, right, they're open, but I think they are selecting it very thoroughly, which program they uh, choose, where they give their data or whom they give their data. And, and they also evaluate, does it really, um, does it really, uh, um, is it worth joining yeah. um, the, the program, right? And uh, and I think that's just the way, uh, or it's so typical uh, for for Germans to be that way. And and I know again here comparing it to to, to the US, it's so different, right? They they basically join every program they can catch. Yeah, and uh, they're much more um, relaxed with with giving their data, as far as what I have seen. Yeah, and um, so there's really a difference, and I think that is uh, very important for a brand who either wants to implement a loyalty program or has a loyalty program to to really focus on creating that trust in Germany. You need that trust in order to have um, the customers or the members being open to give data. And you, on the other hand, want that data in order to uh, give a more personalized experience. And this all ends up in customer experience and, and stronger loyalty Yeah, I think that's a really interesting trend that came out quite strongly from the German market as well, that that prominence on data, privacy, security. And it's interesting that you articulate that as trust in the brand, Um, because I think it's it's 35% of Germans will join a program when they're given the opportunity, isn't it? Which is the European average. But actually, what you're saying in your market is is trust and data is so important. Which programs do you think are doing that well? You know, which programs do you think that the German people really trust and therefore, you know, actually engage with and, and want to be part of that program? Who's Who are the best ones that our listeners should be looking? to 
Well, I think um, especially with the new regulation um, in, in Germany, every program needs to be uh, really ahead of that, right? Uh, and the, the big ones like, of course, Payback or Deutschland Card or uh, also in, in the retail industry, um, they, I mean, they have, they that's a must have. So I think I, I don't, I cannot name uh, um, any program that is really doing it super well. I mean, to to be honest, if you if you look on the website, uh, for example, Payback is really communicating it well, right? What they do with the data and how it's secure. And I know it also from my time when I was at Deutschland Card, that is a big thing, right? Um, to really uh, focus on or giving the member the feeling uh, that, we are protecting or they are protecting the data and um, and and that they can trust in, in giving that data. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? And I think everybody's always right. looking for kind of case studies. And that that is something that is affecting markets across Europe, actually, in terms of that increased regulation on data and that increased focus on it. I know there's um, there's a couple of panels on it at the Loyalty Summits um, conference as well, which I think will be really interesting for people to um, to hear and, and catch up on for those that couldn't make the, um, the conference. What about impact with Germans? What kind of impact? The loyalty programs have yes okay yeah that was the, the third score right yeah. and um and that is really interesting again because here the germans are at the lower end again mm. right so uh, which means um impact right it makes me more loyal it uh, it makes me do a higher spend i'm more emotionally connected and actually, that answers what we just talked about again yeah because i i think that in the end um that means that the current programs have room for improvement, and um, and they really, I think they they should reconsider their their value proposition and their loyalty strategy and move towards being more attractive for the customer, right? Yeah, I think that was really interesting because I think we saw, I was surprised as well. I would have thought given the value mindset that we see in Germany and the importance on that value exchange, that the positive impact of loyalty programs would have been greater than the European average. Me, so, me too, actually, yes. But yeah, I don't know if it's um, if it's in the end, um, because we, we, we come from this really transactional-based uh, background. Um, now is it's a sort of a time where, and that's I can see as well, right? Where where companies really look into, oh, I have to I have to redesign my program, I have to evolve my program, I have to bring in new features because points just don't, you know, that's a customer expects. Yeah, that's like a, a, the base of a program. But then the customer says, hey, you know, I'm being more in a in a being more digital now. They they expect to that programs move further, that they create ecosystems, that they partner with others to to just make a more um, or a better value proposition of their their program, right? To invite them to have special events, to have surprise and delight, and and that's now where we come or we step into thing of do your basics right. Right. Um, you have to have the right structures. You have to have the right IT system um, in place yeah. for in order to bring your loyalty program to the next level. And, uh, and that's what I often see. So when I speak to potential clients or it's a it's a, um, a project kickoff, 
you often see, okay, um, they have this really, uh, they have this vision of what they want for their loyalty program, which is great. Um, they have objectives and they know whom they want to target, but maybe they don't have their basics in, in place. So they, they yeah. still struggle with their IT infrastructure. They struggle with their data being in, in different silos. And so, and then you, you have to say, okay, we first have to work on that before, you know, um, looking at the so-called stars and, uh, <laughs> and, and, um, and I mean, there are always ways to, to, to find some uh, low hanging fruits um, yeah. to integrate. Right. And that's also part of, if you say, okay, go more towards emotional loyalty um, and this and that we can already implement now, but we, we really have to, to look at the program in total. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, that holistic view. And I think we've seen across that white paper, that impact on those emotional metrics and that impact on those functional metrics. And you almost need to know the goal where you want to get to in order to understand what your priorities are internally. We often have worked with programs who are talking about an MVP, you know, actually what's our minimum viable product to go to market then for the longer term ambition. Um, do you see any programs evolving in Germany? What are the big innovations that you're seeing in the German market. I know you talked about a few um, in the white paper before we actually talked about the context of the, the specific data. Like, What are the big trends and innovations happening in Germany? Uh, well, to be um, to be honest, I think the the trends is basically what we what we talked about right now. That uh, companies and brands are realizing that they need to evolve their programs, and um, so really moving alongside transactional loyalty towards more this emotional perspective. Um, digitalization is definitely. Uh, one big thing, uh, because um, I think one program I mentioned is uh, is a first mover in the discount retail uh, sector, uh, Lidl, who implemented in two, 2020 um, a purely digital uh, program, yeah. uh, one, and first being the first in, in the discount uh, retail sector. So I, I, I chose these these uh, programs because I think those are programs to watch. So it's going to be very interesting how um, this program will evolve, um, how um, members and, and customers will um, connect to that program, and 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 what the what the success will be. Right. Um, yeah. So that's interesting to see. I also chose, of course, uh, having the strong uh, coalition uh, background, um, I chose Payback as another program simply because, I mean, if you look at like what is the most successful program, uh, you have to um, define what you mean with success, right? Is it ROI? Is it customer engagement? So um, I chose a Coalition and, and Payback because I think it's one of the, the biggest programs, uh, 31 million uh, members. And um, it's very well known uh, in Germany, although I must say we also have um, the other coalition Deutschland card, which also, you know, keeps evolving and um, is settling very well into, into the coalition uh, market. And but you can see that the Payback really tries to um, find trends, uh, tries new things, goes towards um, new channels. Uh, they've basically set up an, an ecosystem around their loyalty yeah. solutions. So they have, I think, more than 650, 680 uh, um, partners, of course, online and 
and uh, offline partners. I mean, but, it, it I mean, sets the it. standard, doesn't it? I, I think payback is, is held up. I think I imagine many of our listeners are going 31 million members. Gosh, that's insane. Look, in Britain, our biggest programs in, in Great Britain are around the kind of 19 million mark. So to even think about a loyalty program with 31 million members is extraordinary. Um, there might be some of our, our people listening um, that aren't familiar with payback, actually. It would be really interesting, I think, to hear from you, you know, a bit of an overview about what is payback and actually how does the program Program work and, and what is this brilliant ecosystem that they've created? Because I think some of us have looked it up, but to some it'll actually be newer. It'd be great to learn that. And then also for Little Plus, um, which is a program that we're very familiar with in Great Britain, big positive disruptor to the grocery space. But again, I think some of our listeners, it'd be really interesting. So if you wouldn't mind, a bit of an overview on payback and a bit of an overview on Little Plus um, would be great. Okay, yeah, no, no problem at all. So, so basically payback uh, was established in, in 2000. So it's been on the market for you know more than 20 years and um i think what they managed to do is to to connect or to to find um the partners in all different sorts of industries so uh we always said that you know you need to be the first card in the wallet right you, be, yeah. you need to be the the dominant card in the wallet because at that time when uh when the program was implemented you you didn't talk about having your uh digital wallet um you had a plastic card and and germans i don't know how it's in britain but uh, germans not their plastic card right? and then um this whole thing evolved and, and there was always this fight of okay um how many cards can you carry in your wallet as a member or you want to carry and that's why you know companies really fought for being dominant in the in the in in the customer's wallet. I remember those days uh, in Great Britain as well, between Tesco, Nectar and Boots were the three big programs who were vying for first place in the wallet. And it's so different now. Everybody wants to be the first app. <laughs> right, right. Um, and and so, um, so what they did, of course, first of all, they, they were first mover um, and then... Yep. They had uh, they had different sectors um, which are being used by um, by a customer on a daily basis. So that is the grocer, of course. That is uh, petrol stations. That yeah. is chemistry. Um, all these sectors. You need to make sure that you have at least one big partner. And um, and then it just kept evolving. It kept evolving wow. with uh, online uh, partners. It kept uh, evolving with uh, having the ability to exchange your points. So with paper, you collect points and you can redeem them right at the partner. Um, but you also have redemption partners like uh, Lufthansa, where you can buy the more, where you can actually exchange your points into miles. Yeah. And so um, I think what what really brought the success was that, you know, that they um, kept continuously um, uh, thinking about, okay, what can they do next, right? Um, yeah. What do consumers want? What does do members want? And, and what satisfies them? But um, still, right, it's still a very transactional-based program. And yeah. I mean, to make itself as a brand really is emotional um tries to really be you know in social media everywhere all the channels but um and again here my my experience myself uh, being uh, being part of a coalition program uh, for a couple of years um i think the partners need to play the program 
um, either in store, in online as well, of course. So in all their channels, mm-hmm. um, in order to also strengthen their brand and um, also to um, to strengthen the emotional bond with with the um, with the customer. Yeah. So um, that I think is very hard for. Uh, for, for a um, service provider like Payback, because it's basically a service provider who provides yeah. a service to um, other partners for a program to to develop that emotional loyalty. Yeah, I think that's something we see in the coalition, um, you know, the Nectar coalition here. It's it's a much harder thing when you're talking about life rather than a solo brand play. I think we saw some real disruption when Little Plus, you know, came into the grocery market because our grocery sector was traditionally very points based in Britain. And actually what we've seen in the last two years is a real shift actually away from points. And actually Little Plus were the first to do it. So as you say, in Germany, you know, the first discounter, but also the kind of the first big disruptor how does little plus work in germany what does the program look like there yeah so basically um it's an, an app-based uh, program and uh, you can collect uh, sort of rebates uh when you buy at, at little right so that's the card but they also integrated uh, for example scratch cards um, so little features gamified elements um, which makes it more uh emotional um to uh, to keep the the customer yeah more engaged and to to use the app so you scratch and you get maybe special coupons and um, so that is a really nice thing to do as well it's easy to sign up it's easy to handle um, I think they play it uh, well um, in their stores as well so they really use Wobbler they have um, posters or they have uh, signs uh, for the program I think that's always what I mean, like very important that in the end, where, where you have a touch point with your customer, um, that the program is played there. But to be honest, and I don't want to be unfair uh, on this side, to be honest, in this case, like doing little games, uh, doing stretch cards, doing special campaigns, I think the coalitions in Germany are also doing a good job there. So it's not only Payback, it's also Deutschland Card, which always tried to find new, um, let's say, partner-wide promotions, right? So but you always need to find um, anything that fits for all the partners, uh, what they can implement and execute. And then, of course, it's easier if you're a single uh, brand program, and it's easier to find uh, new campaigns or anything that, that works, especially then now for your brand. Yeah, perhaps you can be a bit more experimental when you're in charge of your own ecosystem as well and actually kind of play with those features more than you can when you've got to get everybody to agree. The um, the other program that you talked about that I thought was really interesting in the white paper was the Douglas Beauty Card and actually the fact they have a core program and then a paid for sort of version as well. And I think a lot of our listeners would be really interested to learn more about that program as well, you know, how what it is and, and how it works and in particular how they've introduced that paid for um, component. Yes, so I chose uh, this third uh, category uh, because exactly what you said, uh, Douglas is, is uh, basically focusing on uh, first of all tra- transactional as well. So you collect um, uh, points towards vouchers that you can redeem um, in store or online. Um, so it's basically like a cashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they have uh, this 
free status, which is the first tier, and they have a, a paid status, so a paid loyalty program as well, um, which is their second tier. And the second tier just offers you additional benefits, right? This is where they go more towards um, you get uh, a special um offers or you get special vouchers, you get um, uh, invitations or recommendations. So um, they just, with the second tier, they should, they, they just give you more of yeah. um, basically what you get, of course, in the basic tier. And what I like uh, with uh, with Douglas is if you, if you sign up for the program, they really ask you, um, they, they guide you through, through questions to basically collect data and get to know you more and um, uh, like what's your skin type or, you know, what's your daily routine in cosmetics and things like yeah. that. And, um, and I think that's, that's really, um, that's really good what they're doing because uh, that gives you that value of data and, uh, and then they can basically um, personalize their offers more. Right? Nice. And that's in the end, right? If, if I, as a consumer or a member, want to give uh, give data, I expect that companies work with that data and give me back what I want to have, and not um, not like what everyone gets. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's something we're seeing in Britain as well. One program I always talk about, I think, does that particularly well is our a pets at home, a pets retailer we have in Great Britain, and they personalize it based on pet age of pet type of pet um, and it's very different the experience that you have and, and they really play to that and I think that's so important so actually of course you are more willing um, to hand over more data about your pet in, in response for a better service and you, Edna my pug completely rules my household and she loves her pets at home VIP treat I do think of her as the VIP of the household um, is there anybody else in Germany doing that really well those personalized offers or perhaps that gamification or that paid for tier we're seeing a plethora of paid for tiers actually being experimented on by quite big brands in in, in Great Britain Tesco sort of led the way Marks and Spencers are just piloting it are you seeing much of that kind of activity in Germany I think yes, because um, why why do companies set up a loyalty program is for collecting data. So of course, all the other um, loyalty programs that are in place, uh, it can be uh, IKEA or it can be in the the uh, DIY uh, sector, right? Yeah. Um, or even hotels or miles um, and more. I know that, right? They they really. Um, they really collect the data in order to work with it and then um, give that personalized communication back and to really get to know the, the customer better. So um, you have loyalty programs where, where you really create personas, which um, where you say, okay, from what I see, what she's shopping, I, I know that maybe she has a family, she has a baby or she, or he's, uh, um, I don't know, um, a single guy who just comes in store and picks up the ready salad, uh, you know, like, yep. you know, from what they shop. And I mean, the grocers there have, have the best ability to, to, um, to really uh, analyze the data. You can see who your customers are right? yeah. and then vice versa. I think um, it's, it's really important that you give it back and you, you treat the member according to what he likes and 
and, and which persona he is. Yeah, I think that's really key and something that came out across all the experts actually in the paper. It's been really interesting talking to you all as a community because one thing that comes out really clearly is, is get the insight, but then use it. You know, yes. Make sure that insight is actionable. So don't just try and find out everything, but try and find out things you can, can really act on. Um, what's the most important lesson you've learned about loyalty marketing? Because I think that's probably one of mine from this paper, actually. It's actually find out the things that you can then do things differently um, based on. It's been my my favorite bit of, of meeting you all. But what's your most important lesson that you think you've learned about loyalty marketing over those two phases of your career? Because how fantastic to see it, you know, from both sides. Yes. So I have uh, I have three, right? The three most important lessons. Um, one is, and I've said that before, is get the basics right. So really um, solid setup of your program um, is very important in order to have it uh, stable and, and can constantly uh, evolve it. Um, if you have a prog- uh, program, please make use of it. Right. Don't don't, you know, um, don't implement a program and don't show it to the customer. And that's another thing um, which I see in Germany. Sometimes I feel I really have to search on the website. Like I know they have a program, but you really have to click. And it's not uh, it's not on the front uh, uh, or it's not on the home page. Right? you yeah. really have to look for it. Same goes for um, in store. Some some have uh, retailers have a program, but no sign, nothing, no one speaks about it. And then to be honest, and that's what I always say to my customers as well, uh, to my clients, um, to implement a program and not make use of it is too expensive, right? So uh, it's it's a complex yeah. uh, um, topic. It's, it's something where if you implement it, you, you really should use it and, and work with it. And the third is, of course, keep evolving your program. So don't uh, work, uh, what I often see is, right, the uh, teams work towards that uh, launch date. And then after launch, everyone's like, oh, my God, we've got it <laughs> launched. Right? And so and then, hey, after launch, actually, then your real work begins. Because then yeah. when you work with them, you test, you you uh, communicate, you, as you said, right, you try out little things because um, you have to test and learn. I mean, that's most important within CRM, right? You have to to do that whole test and learn cycle and and learn from from the results and then change maybe the little features according to what the results told you so those would be the three uh lessons learned I think they're great. I particularly like that last one as well, that real focus on continuous innovation and continuous evolution. I think loyalty is one of the the few practices where people can experiment and you can change things and you can then make a, a quite a step change difference when you learn something meaningful about your audience. Um, where do you get your inspiration for those changes? Where do you get your updates, the new things that you want to try? Like what resources do you look to? Where do you where do you find um find your your information? that may then makes you think actually we should try that we should innovate here like what what does that look like what are your secret sources <laughs> uh, no basically um one of course is, is my network so yeah. i have a network uh in, in germany but i also have a network in the us and in the uk so um, in the us through the loyalty academy the wise marketer where you get lots of insights in the UK um, through uh, being a judge for the International Loyalty Awards, 
um, I, I do see a lot of, I get a lot of insights through applications and the discussions we have there. So um, that would be my number one. And then number two, basically, you have great platforms, loyalty platforms, where you can yeah. really get uh, information on trends, uh, insights. So again, here mentioning uh, either the Wise Marketer, Loyalty Academy or Loyalty 360 in, in the U.S., yeah. Um, you have loyalty agencies, mainly uh, IT service providers who who are an agency who who provide the, the full service, right? Um, and and they have great white papers. They have great uh, case studies. Uh, you can go through and and get learnings. And I also like research companies. So Forrester, for example, I always yeah. um, like to read through. And then, uh, of course, uh, anything around loyalty conferences, um, that's interesting. So the one, uh, the conference this year, which is the Loyalty Summit in Zurich, uh, is, of course, uh, a place to go. Or you have other um, conferences. Again, here you have more um, on the U.S. side. I'm not too much into, into the Asian market, so I don't know yeah. if you, you have more insights there. I mean, I guess they have also their... Um, their loyalty summits, yeah, um, and it's it's worth going. It's worth going to see uh, to get to know people, to speak to to others who have also maybe work in the same industry, have a program, yeah, and just exchange yourself and then. Um, and you get new ideas always. I completely agree. That's what made me want to commission this white paper and actually work on it with a community of experts. Because I think you know, this year, the, the world is changing so much. It continues every year. I feel like we're saying, gosh, this has seen the greatest change and, and that continues. And I think it's so important to look outside of your own sector and outside of your own market You know, for inspiration. I think it, it's been fantastic from a, a British point of view to look at all those different markets. And we use a lot of those same sources too. You know, the platform providers, you know, the other we've got open loyalty voxwise and tavo kind of featured in the paper as well they've got great resources and, and great insight um and i think we all need to be looking out for for inspiration from other programs as well and you know from actually outside of loyalty as well but those conferences are invaluable i i completely agree are there any um innovations that you've seen recently or that you particularly admire or that you're particularly proud of? Is there anything, I know we've talked about it quite a lot on the podcast. I was like, oh, actually this is, we've covered a lot in terms of gamification and personalization of offers, but is there anything else you wanted to call out that you're like, listeners, go check this out? Well, you know, um, yeah, we've done all these, let's say, emotional things, um, talked about those, uh, but what I think really admire is brands now investing in in really in those leapfrog developments like artificial intelligence. So, yeah. I mean, it's a big thing, right? Machine learning, artificial intelligence. But it, for me, it shows if a company goes towards um, that development, um, it shows that they have done their homework, right? They have their program set up and now they can really um, move it up again to the next level. And um, so that's, I think, something, and, and I can see again in all these, being at white paper or um, conferences, uh, expert talks, uh, there is a lot of noise around it. Um, I think, as I said, some companies might not be there yet to to really yeah. go and work with it, but uh, um, definitely the way forward. 
Yeah, I agree. We work, we've got machine learning in a couple of the programs that we work on, actually. And I feel that we're at baby steps, um, but it's really interesting the kind of insights you can unlock, but then the things you can do differently as a, a consequence of these new capabilities that, you know, back in the days of the plastic card, we'd have, you know, we'd have dreamed about and, and now it's a reality. So as we wrap to the end of the podcast, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? <laughs> well, um, yeah, as said already, right? Uh, I think two things. If you have a loyalty program, I really ask, like, make use of it, right? Um, and if you want to set up a program, um, I think it makes really sense to look out for those um, consulting, loyalty consulting firms or experts to help you because it's a really, uh, don't underestimate the complexity. That's what I would say Yeah, of a loyalty I program. I think that's fair. I think anyone that works in loyalty would be like, yes, it's tricky and there's a lot to deal with. So get help. Trickier look than out. you think. Trickier yes. than you think, right? How yes. lucky for us. All right. Well, look, you can. if any of our listeners would like to find out any more about Nicole Wilhelm's work, then check her out on LinkedIn. Um, she's in the white paper, which you can download from www.mando-connect.co.uk. Um, and also, obviously, you can contact her through the podcast as well. So thank you very much, Nicole for your time today and for your expertise on the German market. I think it's a market that we all look to with 31 million members in the biggest program as well. There's a lot we can learn there in terms of scale, um, but also how to do transactional loyalty well and, and how to start to move to that emotional space. So thank you ever so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and goodbye from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Charlie, for having me on the show. This show is sponsored by The Loyalty People, a global strategic consultancy with a laser focus on loyalty, CRM and customer engagement. The Loyalty People work with clients in lots of different ways, whether it's the strategic design of your loyalty program or a full service, including loyalty project execution. And they can also advise you on choosing the right technology and service partners. On their website, the Loyalty People also runs a free global community for loyalty practitioners. And they also publish their own loyalty expert insights. So for more information and to subscribe, check out theloyaltypeople.global. so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.